Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago, live from the old National Bank State Street Studio. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. Chicago's college tailgate. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. believe you're doing that. Cannot believe you're doing that. What, the D-bag parlay? Yeah. Who's the douche? 312. Uh, I'm not going to put a team that's opposite a bet that I already right. have in a parlay. That's well, it. You're Can we talk guy. about, let's go back to Kevin Z-Pack Yeah, throwing cow. Cow plus nine and a half. Buddy, the line is seven and a half. You might want to update your Twitter timeline. Hey, listen, it's your show, all right? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know what that means. I'm just pushing buttons back here. Oh. We love you, Kevin. All right, this is Chicago's College Tailgate. We are with you every single Saturday, talking college football with you from 9 to 11 a.m. on ESPN 1000. We're presented by Twin Peaks. And, Shay, right now, it is the burning question of college football. And it's a simple question. It's a very simple question, but it's one that for the last, what, decade, we've had a pretty easy answer to week in and week out. Who's the number one team in the country right now? Because you look at the top 25 right now, and you could fire me four or five different teams, and you've got a case for it. Right now, Georgia is the incumbent number one. Yep. They haven't lost. They're the reigning two-time national champions, and they're 5-0 and right now. Michigan is also 5-0, and but has probably done their 5-0 and with a little more style points than Georgia has so yep. far. Texas has the best win of the year. Ohio State has a damn good win on their resume. Maybe the second best win of the year. 4-0. Um, Florida State is 4-0. They may have the best collection of two wins in the nation right now. And then you can dip into the Pac-12 if you want. Washington's a team that right now in the coaches' polls garnering a first-place vote. USC has looked good offensively all year long. Um, I probably wouldn't put them in the conversation of being number one. No, certainly not. Oregon has blown out teams. Uh, like You look at this top to bottom right now. Can I give you Penn State? Penn State look, has looked really impressive, albeit because... James Franklin likes to give a good old booster cover at the end of games. He's a bleep hole. But for the people, the rare for the people bleep hole. He really is. Like I, I respect it. And, and we talked about it on the podcast earlier this week. And again, we recap the entire weekend of college football every single Monday on the Chicago College Tailgate podcast feed. So download, download, rate, and subscribe to all that um, if you want the recap on Mondays. But we talked about coaches that know the number. James Franklin knows the number. Every yeah. time he runs out of that tunnel, his he probably asks his get back guy, "What's the number?" Gives it to him. All right, let's let's roll. Also, would there be an issue? Like, would you take issue with James Franklin in, in post game availability? Going, that was for those of you who donate to the program. No, like, I have just no a wink. problem with that. James Franklin doesn't have to bet the game himself. No, but he knows the donors and the boosters are laying Penn State minus twenty six. Can he just toss him a wink? Like, if he just looks at the boosters and goes, that was for you, and throws a wink out you know there, what we need? Good, that's cool. You know Good what for we you. Need? We need a booster sweet cam. For, like, 
just the final two minutes of every Penn State game. Final like two to three minutes of every Penn State game. And just live reaction to boom when the garbage time touchdown rolls in. The flip side is when Penn State boosters are betting them against OSU at the shoe. And James Franklin gets rolled. And then he's got to stand up there and go... My bad. Well, they uh, petitioned to fire Maybe you. Maybe next time. Yeah. Like, uh, well, there's two sides to their coin, I guess. But yeah. no, I, he knows the number, and I think it's cool that he's trying to cover it. Yeah. He's doing it for the donors. He's keeping the people who employ him happy. That, that's how he's getting. Uh, oh, you go out and win a, a big bet on uh, Penn State? Let's funnel that into the NIL collective that we've got rolling here. All right, but back to my original question here. Who, to you, is the best team in the country right now? Best team or who should be ranked number one? Who is the best team in the country right now? I think it's Texas. And I know that I'm going against them today with Oklahoma. It's but a, I'm asking you right now. That game has not kicked off yet. Right now, this morning, it has to be Texas. It just has to be. And like five, six-point favorites today, they don't have to cover a number to continue to be the best team in the country. If they win today... They are still the best team to me. And right now, there is no team that's more complete. There's no team that does as much with their quarterback and their wide receiver weaponry as they do with their running backs, as they do with their offensive line, and then gets up, lines up, and punches you in the mouth on defense the way they do. There just isn't. There is not a team in America that can beat you in every level of the game, including special teams, to the extent that Texas is doing it this season. And it's not like they're just dumping on nobody. You go to Tuscaloosa and win, that means something. Mm-hmm. You go to Waco, a bad Baylor team, and you blow the doors off of them. How you do it matters. And then you get Kansas coming in ranked, maybe fake ranked, but ranked. And I get, look, they lose their quarterback seven minutes before kickoff, and they got a rock with Jason Bean and a triple option. We talked about on the recap, Texas wasn't ready for a triple no. option offense. The, the triple option, like, there are there are days in the summer that where you spend just game planning for a triple option. Like, back in the day when you had Georgia Tech on the schedule, you spent a day or maybe even a couple days in the summer game planning for Georgia Tech. And we kind of saw in the first half, Texas – Got jumped. They weren't expecting the triple option to be the game plan for Kansas. Got themselves into a little game going into the second half, 24-14 at one point. And then Texas blows the doors off of them. And in the final 25 minutes of game time in that game, Kansas did not belong on the field. That was an offensive line that was mauling Kansas and just getting whatever they wanted. Jonathan Brooks, the running back, running all over the Jayhawks. You bomb Kansas. Now you have an opportunity to really add to the resume in a Red River showdown between two 5-0 and teams. But right now, to me, there isn't a team playing better football than Texas. The only other team that I think really contends for number one right now is Michigan. In terms of, like, the, the balloting? or like I, Yeah, I mean, I think, I think to me, if you're asking me who are the two best teams in the country, it's mm-hmm. Texas and it's Michigan. And I could see either of them being ranked one. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you. Texas is my number one team right now. I would put Michigan at number two. And I I truly believe this. Washington is the third best team in the country right now. They have an offense that is an absolute wagon. They have a defense that is equally as ferocious, but maybe doesn't get as much credit for it because of the fact that they win these games in the first half. And then when you've got second string defensive players out there in the second half, 
all right, you let some people through the floodgates after. And I, I just look at what Washington has done with Michael Penix. And Washington is a team, a team right now in the coaches poll that is getting a vote as the number one team in the country right now. This They're is among really the coaches. Good, like, they are an amazing team right now. And I look at those three teams, and, and those are the three that I think are in contention to be the number one team right now. I would throw Florida State in there. Um, they do have the two very good wins right now. Um, but right now, Texas is my number one because they are playing the best complimentary football across the board of any team in America. So we're in lockstep agreement. Texas is back, folks. Mm-hmm. Like that, Tyler and I are telling you, that is the best team in the country with a bullet right now today. Could they go lose today? And then we have a different conversation next week. Of course, it's college football. And when you talk about the top brands, it's not quite the NFL. It's not quite any given Sunday. But you get into that range where Texas and Oklahoma, either of these two teams can win today. Mm-hmm. Could it happen? Sure. But then you're going to get Texas-Oklahoma round two for all the marbles in the Big 12 title game. That's where things get really fascinating. Like, consider this as part one of a two-part movie. This is an excellent game but that here, we're going to see today I'm gonna between two this. of the best teams. If Texas truly is the best team in the nation, they win this game twice. They, I agree. They win this game twice if they truly are the best team in the nation today. I agree. Uh, yeah, 100%. Like, if you're really as good as we're saying you are, you probably win today by margin. Like, you're winning today two touchdowns. by a touchdown or more. Yeah. Uh, two possession for sure. Can I see a world where you win a game you don't cover and we still go, yeah, that's the best team? Sure, because you're going to have the best game today. Like, Georgia blasting Kentucky won't surprise me. I'm on Georgia. Uh, Michigan bombing Minnesota. I'm not going to care about that. Mm-hmm. Florida State and Virginia Tech, please. Virginia Tech's awful. I have a question for you about Florida State. Yeah. We talk about the two great wins, LSU and then at Clemson. Yeah. Am Are I they- crazy if I think the uh, win at Clemson is more valuable than the LSU win this, at this point? I know when we look back, you've got the preseason narratives, two teams contending for national championships. No. But that LSU defense is horrific. I don't think that's right. And going to Clemson, a team that isn't vintage but is still really good, especially defensively, surviving a a hell game and then winning in overtime with an incredible catch, Keon Coleman – like that, am I nuts if I'm saying that win is more impressive than their win over LSU? Clemson pulled a financial advisor off his job to come back and kick, and that lost them the football game. So no, I there are too many special teams struggles with Clemson right now. Like no, I'm not. I I still so think the it, LSU win is more valuable. Is the framing part of it too? Is the second half you shut down that offense? Like say what you want about LSU. The offense yeah, is fantastic. True. You shut down that offense in the second half. Is part of that, though, because they shut down Clemson in the second half, despite Clemson kind of racking it up on them in the first half, it, is your reasoning why it's less valuable to go to Death Valley and beat Clemson because the result really should have been a loss? Yes. Like, the, Florida I State got lucky much, to win that game, and so we can't value the win super highly? I'm not going to say it's necessarily lucky, but... It's, I think got lucky. You, you rock a 25-yard field goal, you win a game. I, yeah, yeah. Florida State, I'm okay. I Look, I have futures on Florida State. I like Florida State. They were one of my national mm-hmm. title picks, but they got lucky to win at Clemson. I still think when you're a top team in the country, you kind of make your own luck. 
Florida State had to put themselves in a position to win well, you that have game. To, you have to extend out the game, right? Like The whole thing with, with favorites in, in, in games is the longer you play out the game, the more likely you're going to win as a favorite. Right. Because eventually your talent overrides what's on the other side there. Whereas if you turn oh, games... Texas and Kansas last if, week. If, if you turn games into one-play games, if, you, if it's a gotta-have-it play in a game... Then, all right, then the underdog has a chance in those games. But when you lengthen the game out like Florida State did against Clemson, and again, you have to lengthen the game out to a degree. You have to get to overtime. But I I, I do think that 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 Clemson game, Clemson deserved to win that game. That's why I I, I think the LSU win is better. I want to throw the number out on this, too, because we need some disagreement here. You and I lockstep Texas to us, the best team in America. If you're out there on a Saturday morning, a college football Saturday, and you're thinking college football, are we off our rocker? Are we drinking too much of the Texas Kool-Aid with this Texas's back stuff? I don't think I'm necessarily drinking Texas Kool-Aid. The way I see it is Georgia's not impressive to me, and Texas has gone out and beat Bama. That's how I see it, and I, Texas is playing better I, football I than anybody else. I don't think this is a Texas Kool Aid. But I know people don't like one. this. I know people like the inevitable Texas is back game. They will lose at some point. You could call Bama the inevitable Texas is back game. Maybe you think Michigan's the top team. I won't fight you on it. I don't think it's a horrible opinion. No, but it just the two of us locked in on Texas. Makes me feel a little scared as a college football fan. What are you saying? We don't know ball? Because like, I've like, seen this movie before. So I just I, I want to throw the number out. If there's somebody who disagrees and wants to fight, 312-332-3776. Go for it. We've got other stuff to do. We're here till, well, we're here doing college football till 11. Here's the we're thing. We're here till 1. Here's the thing with, with Michigan. We'll know but when they go to Happy Valley in November. And again, we have to wait till week 10 to, to get to this. But we'll know. In that week, if Michigan is the best team in the country, we'll know. It, 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 this is going to settle itself out. We don't know right now who necessarily the best team is, but well, by the time we get to those final three weeks, we'll know. And, and it'll be a, a very easy conversation, I'd imagine. Too. That's why, specifically with Michigan, we have to look at how you win because you haven't played anybody yet. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska. But kudos, you also haven't given up more than seven points in any of your games. And you've scored 30-plus in all of them. You are bombing the bad teams. You're taking care of business. It's what you're supposed to do. Are you covering as many spreads as I'd like you to cover? No, but that's a different conversation. That doesn't matter when when they're all three touchdowns, The other problem is you won't play anybody for another month. You get Minnesota today, Indiana, the dead body of Michigan State, Purdue, and then you start playing people. Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State, a gauntlet to end the year. Two, that's a, a rough two of three right there. Could At be a Penn rough State. three of three, depending well, on what we see from I, Maryland. Well, here, here's where my brain was there. Two of three are on the road. At Penn State, at Maryland, yeah. home against Ohio State. That's a rough three-game stretch to close it out. You're on the road four of the final five weeks? Three of the final five weeks? Like, uh, you go yeah. three road games in four weeks, and the home game's Purdue. At least that's a bye. Mm-hmm. And then the and other I, home game is you know Ohio State. Like, who cares? At Michigan State's a bye, too. Michigan State's atrocious. Yeah. You can't wipe the stench off that squad. Jesus. But can you throw the records out, Shay? Can no. you throw the no. records out? No. The head coach got fired. When they play for the mitten, you've can got, you throw the records out? You've got a certified stamp 
moron, Harlan Barnett, running the program with Mark D'Antonio's Holy Spirit next to him while two idiot coordinators run the team, that, that's, a, that's a death sentence. Michigan State's horrible. All right. Horrible. Shay and I are in on Texas, all right? Is anyone else on Texas? Do you like Texas as the number one team in the country, or should it be someone else? Are you Michigan? Is it Georgia still? Are you rocking with the incumbent right now, or is there someone else? 312-332-3776. When we come back, realignment has taken over college football, and it's made for some fascinating schedules setting up. And we got the Big Ten schedules for the next five years, and boy, it looks fun. We'll talk about it when we come back here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Now back to the show. Chicago's College Tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Tailgate presented by Twin Peaks, Tyler Aki, Shay Norling, and realignment has taken over college football, college sports in general. It's going to be an interesting couple of years as we acclimate to Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC. We've got Washington, UCLA, Oregon, USC all coming to the Big Ten. We've got some switch-ups in the, the ACC. And who knows? There may be more to come as well. It seems like Clemson's got one foot out the door of the ACC as well. So earlier this week, we got the new Big Ten football matchups for 2024 through 2028. And boy, the, these look fun. These look extremely fun. Let's just take a look at Michigan's schedule next year. That this, was the one I was going to bring up. This was the one that, that stuck out to me for next year. Guess who's coming to the big house next year? USC and Oregon. You know who else? And, Texas. And Well, yeah, the, the, that's the, the non-con there. But USC and Oregon as a part of this realigned Big Ten. You're also traveling out to Washington as well. And you've, of course, got your road game against Ohio State. This is going to get so out of control so fast. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I was so anti-realignment when all of it was happening. And I still, I think they have to work out the kinks because I still don't know how it's going to work for non-football sports. But guess what? I, don't, I, don't I no care. longer care. I don't care. Because if this is the type of schedule we're going to get on the football side, well, I'm into it. This is like, you look at Michigan's conference schedule the last couple of seasons. And outside of the Ohio State, Penn State, and occasional Michigan State games, terrible. I mean, dreadful. You're playing nobody. And the Big Ten this year, let's be honest about what the Big Ten is. It's a dumpster. The Big Ten this season is terrible. Every week we've got 30-point spreads, 20-point spreads in some of the bigger games, like Ohio State giving 17.5 to one of the better teams in the Big Ten. Yeah. Michigan going on the road as a 20-point favorite. It's not real. It's, it's just it's an awful conference. But when you add in, Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, and you see a schedule where Michigan's going to host Oregon and USC and go on the road to Seattle and play Washington. 
this is the best conference in America. This is the most exciting conference in America. This is the NFL on Saturdays, where you're going to have top 25 conference games on a consistent basis, thanks to realignment. You look at some of the the West Coast transplants, too, that are coming to the Big Ten. Like, here's, here's Washington's road schedule, road teams that they play against. Indiana, Iowa, then you got Oregon, Penn State, and Rutgers. Washington's traveling to Piscataway in probably a gray October afternoon. How great is that? <laughs> That's good for the people of Rutgers. How great is that? Like... It just makes no sense, and that's why I love it. Where that gets interesting, too, is like some of those games are going to be tough spots. If you're Washington, you don't want to travel to Piscataway. That in non conference scheduling days, the days of the Pac 12 and the Big Ten, Washington would never schedule that game. That's a your athletic director hates you type of game if they're going to send you to New Jersey to play Rutgers, because nothing good can come of that. You win, you take care of business. You go on the road and lose, nightmare. But now you got to do it in conference. Like yeah. the level of intrigue that's going to come out of this realignment, specifically the Pac-12 teams to the Big Ten, because I don't really care about Cal and Stanford in the ACC. Cal and Stanford are terrible. But What about pro bono SMU? Huh? <laughs> well, when you've got the elite of the elite of the Pac-12, a conference that is having a swan song where they are the best conference in America, mm-hmm. they might cannibalize themselves, but they are the best. Yeah. And then you send half of those teams to the Big Ten, and all of a sudden we're going to get these huge power conference matchups. I'm starting to buy into realignment a little bit. I'm st- when the schedules came out, I got a little aroused. Oh, I liked seeing this. You got your your CFB going, huh? No more clown, yeah, no more clown car schedule for Michigan. That makes me happy as a person. No more of this. Michigan plays nobody until late November, and then we get to find out what they are. The idea that you're going to have big time games against big time teams spread out, and unless they cancel it, which has happened, you're going to play Texas in the non conference. Like, that's a legitimate schedule. We aren't going to have to wait until the third. Is that a schedule that Jim Harbaugh is going to be around for? Well, that remains to be seen. But could he be a head coach of the Chicago Bears? We will find out. Honestly, if we want to have that conversation, my money would be on no. I don't think Jim Harbaugh coaches this team. The Chicago Bears? No, no. Michigan. Michigan. I don't think that Jim Harbaugh sees this schedule. I'm with you. Because, like, now that he's had a lot of success with Michigan over the last two years, very well could get to another playoff this year. I could see him jumping ship. The relationship between Harbaugh, the athletic director, Ward Manuel, is terrible. They don't speak to each other. Ward didn't even talk about the the suspension. When Harbaugh came back... Went to the president. When Harbaugh came back this past offseason after flirting again with the NFL, it wasn't Ward Manuel putting the statement out, we're happy to have Jim Harbaugh back. Ward Manuel was nowhere to be found. It was the university president, Santa Ono, announcing, we are happy to have Jim Harbaugh back. Ward Manuel got stuffed in a closet. The athletic director is not announcing that the coach is coming back. But you know what? I think the relationship's pretty sour. I don't think it matters because, like, the if I'm a coach, 
I would rather have the the university president on board. That's the higher order sure. there. Well, yeah, like I heard Coward say, you can find accountants in the Midwest. Anybody can be an AD. Yeah. You, the president is who you want on your side. That's probably true. But the point is, Harbaugh and the AD hate each other. But I don't think it ma- Like, who has more sway? Harbaugh. Right. Absolutely. So what does it matter? But I also think the relationship in Ann Arbor is tenuous at best. And if they go stub their toe again in a playoff game... It's going to be very easy for Harbaugh to once again flirt with the NFL. I mean, we are talking about a guy who flew to Minnesota with a quill and a jar of ink Mm -hmm. to sign a contract just to find out, oh, we're just interviewing you, buddy. (laughs) Like, this guy is desperate to get back to the league. And I think now you have the self-imposed suspension that he wasn't super happy about. You then get... Could the NCAA be bringing a hammer down this offseason because they want more blood than was already given by the... Like, don't forget, the NCAA made this a four-game suspension. Then the powers that be said that's not enough, and Michigan came back with three. I have a feeling this offseason we're going to see that suspension come back. there's, There's still something looming there, and it's just... It feels like a ticking time bomb with, with, with Jim Harbaugh. The broader point being, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to be the head coach when we see this schedule, but that makes it even more exciting because we'll be really wanting to find out what Michigan is, and we're going to have a lot of opportunities to do it. You know what? Seeing this, these expanded schedules over the next five years in the Big Ten made me most excited for? We're getting 10-11 conference games soon. It's coming soon. That because, needs to happen in the SEC. Be, because there, there's no point. In, like I'm fine. You want to play one FCS team off the the gate just to to get a little preseason action and build them a whatever. library. Whatever. Fine. Cool by me. But the this three cupcake games in into the conference. No, I'm done with it. I want to see 10, 11 of the power conference games or or the conference games. We've already seen it. In basketball, expand in a lot of places from 18 to 20, and I think it's only a matter of time before college football follows suit, and we're looking at a 10 or 11 conference game slate. And the Big Ten in basketball was the conference to get ahead of the curve on that. They yes. play more conference games than anybody, and but, they've been doing it for years. My point in is... football. in football, it's going to be in unison when people do it, because... It, it wasn't with the... It, like. Don't forget the Big Ten moved to nine, and the SEC is very stubborn about staying eight. at eight. Yes, I think we're going to see, when we're talking about 10 or 11 games, you're going to have to do it in unison with everyone else because it does not behoove one conference to try to be the trailblazer on this because yeah. you're going to shut yourself out of the playoff. And the Big Ten and the ACC can kind of trailblaze this and go, we're going to play 10 conference games. And the SEC, if you don't want to be looked at as a joke, you're going to have to jump on board because you can't schedule Mercer in November mm-hmm. and be taken Goodbye, seriously when the Big Ten is playing 10 conference games and you've got Oregon and USC going to the shoe or the big house. You're playing 10 games in conference in yeah, the SEC. You've got Bama scheduling, like, uh, Colgate. Right. The, I mean, like, the SEC is still going to be regional. That, that's the thing is the Big Ten, the regions are out the window. The ACC, regions are out the window. Even to a degree, the Big 12, regions kind of out the window. You're going through, what, three time zones now? Now you've added BYU. You've added West Virginia. It, yeah. Colorado? Yep. Like, you're going through three time zones there. So, I think that we are getting closer and closer to 
a 10 or 11 conference game slate. And I think that's going to be fantastic for college football because, quite frankly, week two kind of sucks in college football most years. It really does. Week three is eh. Uh, you get your good opening games, and you still get some real terrible games as well mixed into the yeah. the, the soup there. But I, I like to see the games that matter. And quite frankly, we've got too many games in all of college sports that don't matter. I mean, think about this year. Week one outside of LSU, Florida State was atrocious. The week two schedule was whatever. Week three was awful. There wasn't a good game on the but board. Week four, Dem- but we ramped up. That's the point. You shouldn't have to wait four weeks right. for college football to get serious and have good games. And you know what? Especially in that first week when you are not competing against the NFL. Like you right. could you, totally blow you it have out. a monopoly on Labor Day. Just do Power Five non-conference games across the board. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody levy an opinion about have the conference champions play each other from the previous year. You'd get Michigan, Georgia, week Little one tournament of champions. Are you kidding? Yeah. That would be amazing. Go and get the I, who who won the ACC last year. I don't even remember. Was it Clemson? Yes, it was. Clemson beats, because Klubnik came in the game. So you go, you go, UNC. go and get Clemson and uh, uh, TCU and have them play the opener. Like, you, have the conference champions play each other. That would be fantastic. I'd love that. Don't think that'll they'll, ever happen. They'll never do it. They're, they'll do power conference non-con games in uh, the first week. It'll be Nebraska and uh, Vanderbilt. <laughs> no, yeah, no thank you. Um, all right, when we come back here... Shay, you've, you've got to address the people. I want to believe in something. Michigan State, and there is a big name rumored, and he was wearing some colors today. Am I allowed to believe in something? That's what I want to ask you. We'll discuss that coming up next. Shay and Tyler. Tyler. Chicago's college tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's college tailgate has it all. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. You know what season we're very close to? Coaching carousel season? Well, to expand on that. Tracking planes. Tracking the private planes. And who's landing in East Lansing? And is there a jet going from L.A. to East Lansing anytime soon? If you watch the social medias. Now, this all started. uh, We'll just uh, rip the Band-Aid off here. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, based on reporting I'm not reporting anything Mm -hmm. I'm just saying what's been out there Urban Meyer was in East Lansing this week and then Urban Meyer picked up a wardrobe while at the university store too (laughs) have you watched Big Noon today (laughs) he uh he's on the Big Noon stage and he's decked out in green and white oh boy am I allowed to hope a little bit all right so very controversial name Things did not end well with the Jaguars. Things have not ended well at his last couple of stops. No, they never do. And but that's you get to a national of, t- championship. Yes, you do. So, Shay, are you okay with Urban Meyer running your football team? 100%. And I think any Spartan that says they are not okay with Urban Meyer running their football team is either a doofus or they're lying to you. This Deadspin article that I pulled up in the break... Mm-hmm. I, I just, I Googled Urban Meyer. 
mm-hmm. just so I can make sure I get my facts right on who is reporting what. There are some Michigan State beat people who are saying they have heard that Urban Meyer was indeed in East Lansing. Now, I don't know if he was making a trip to the dairy store or if he's talking to somebody. I don't know what he could possibly be doing in East Lansing. The program is dead. They're not getting Fox Big Noon anytime soon. There are people who are connected who are hearing that he was in East Lansing. So I Google the name. I want to get my facts right. And the first thing I see is from Deadspin, headline, Michigan State is pathetic for connection to Urban Meyer rumors. One, that's not a sentence. That doesn't even work. Two, I then go into the lead paragraph, drawing the line at Meyer after employing Larry Nasser and Mel Tucker isn't proof that things have changed. It's an example of how low the bar is in East Lansing. I'm going to address this because this is something I've heard a lot when I've brought up Urban Meyer to Michigan State among friends and in circles with people I talk to. If you are bringing up Larry Nasser, a vile human being who was many degrees of separation from the football program in relation to hiring a football coach, you are a bad person. I just want to make that clear. If you're bringing up a guy who neither the basketball or football coach had ever met, in connection to hiring the next football coach, you're a bad person. Two, what is everybody so mad at Urban Meyer about? Because he was dancing with somebody at a bar? Well, I think it goes back to Ohio State. And Zach Smith, right. And hiring Zach Smith. I think that's what more of the frustration is. I don't think anyone is... The, the only thing with Urban Meyer and the Jaguars is he's never getting an NFL job again. Absolutely. and But that has nothing to do with his controversies as a human or look i'm under no illusion i'm not going to sit here and tell you that urban meyer is a good guy i don't think that he is i don't need him to be i need him to win football games i don't need you to do it and be squeaky clean here's an idea don't do phone sex with a university vendor we're good draw the line there we're we're good Like, nothing in the range of what could be perceived as a sex crime, we are good. That's, for me, win football games. I don't need you to be squeaky clean. Brian Kelly keeps getting jobs. When are you clutching your pearls about that? You got a kid killed at Notre Dame. What, are we screaming when he gets the job at at LSU? I must have missed the Deadspin article. What is Fox doing putting unethical Urban Meyer on the TV show? But it's a problem when you connect him to Michigan State because you get the free clicks of Larry Nasser. I don't want Larry Nasser attached to the football program in any way. And if you're doing it, you're dishonest. Now, where I want to hear from you, Tyler, one, does, do I have no shame in shaking ass for Urban Meyer to come to Michigan State? Because here's my deal. Inarguably, he's one of the five best coaches in modern college football history. You cannot argue it. Probably three. Things end badly when he leaves, but he will come in, he will rebuild your program, he will win you a national title, and then at the end, he'll fake a health scare and he'll get out. If you win the national title, do what you want. I don't care. But the other question, is there a better than non-zero chance he would actually coach at Michigan State? Here's where I think... Michigan State would turn down Urban Meyer before Urban Meyer would turn down Michigan State. Because I think Urban wants to get back into coaching. I think he will get back into coaching. But optically, can Michigan State hire Urban Meyer? Well, that's my problem. Given given what happened with the last coach 
And you can say don't attach Larry Nassar to Michigan State. Uh, football. Football. That's fine. I get it. But the stink is on the university. But it always will be. Like, my point is, as a school, you should have the guts to go and make this hire. But you say things always end badly with Urban. If it ends badly because of something that he does, this program is screwed. Is They'll Why? never be able to make a hire like an Urban Meyer again. They probably can't anyway. But my point is, like... People are going to talk bad about this school no matter what. Larry Nassar's going to be on Michigan State's resume no matter who you hire. Mm-hmm. Mel Tucker, it happened. You can't run from it. You can't hide. You hired a moron who did the dumbest thing humanly possible and got involved with a vendor at the university who was there to educate students on sexual assault. And then he harassed that woman. Bye. Get out. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't impact who you hire next. You have one job. For me, as a fan of the football program, your one job is to hire somebody who gives you the best chance to win football games. I don't want you to go hire some good guy, Mike Elko, and then we got to run eight and four back, and like that's my destiny? We're just an eight-win program now? I refuse to accept that. Top 12 in revenue, 11th last I looked, in athletics. You can double virtually anybody's salary tomorrow. There's no reason not to be in the sweepstakes. I don't think they have the guts because of the optics. But my point is, for me, the optics shouldn't matter. It's about winning games. He hasn't done anything that puts him even comparable. Like Urban Meyer himself. Did he hire a bad guy in Zach Smith? Yeah. Okay, that's a strike against you. Has he done anything that even sniffs the realm of Larry Nasser? Of course not. Has he even sniffed what Mel Tucker did? No, he's not that stupid. Like, the optics to me don't matter. I want to win games. Urban Meyer, I'll have him for five years. We'll have a bad year one. We'll make a really good bowl year two. We might win a title year three. And then year four, things start getting dicey. And you, okay, but hey, you built the program. And now we go find who takes it from where you built it to. Well, not, if I'm a Michigan State fan, yes, I would want Urban Meyer running my football team. And listen, I say that as, as someone who, on the basketball side, like, I wanted Rick Pitino to replace Jim Beheim. Like, it's not like Rick's got a clean slate, right? He's got a rap sheet. Yeah. He's got plenty of things that he's done wrong. Like, I just, dude, Hugh Freeze gets hired at Auburn. Nobody's, I don't see a dead spin article. Auburn's pathetic for hiring Isn't Hugh DJ Freeze. is Jerkin somewhere now? Yes. I, like, where are those articles? Well, Bobby it, Petrino got a gig. Did Deadspin go, oh, that's disgusting? No. But, like, I get it. Michigan State's got a bad history. But, again, we are operating in 2023 going into 2024. Hire the best guy. I'm not going to cancel the school if they hire Urban Meyer because, frankly, I think it's a good hire from a football perspective. That's all that matters to me. I'm wondering this. Whenever Urban does get into another job here, and it's a when, not an if. Whenever he does get into another job, how much pull does he still have in the living room? How much pull? Given everything that we've now seen with the controversies with Urban Because you can say what you want about the, uh, like, he hasn't done anything of that magnitude. In Jacksonville, he treated those players like absolute dog. Yeah, he, he was a bad he guy. He was a bad guy. And if I'm competing against Urban Meyer... 
in a recruiting battle. Like if I'm Jim Harbaugh trying to win a kid in state against Urban Meyer, just lay it out. He was kicking players. Here's the in modern. Here's the modern plus. And if he's going to do that to an NFL player, what's he going to do to a college True. kid? And fair, like that. Totally fair. I'm willing to give benefit of the doubt because he's been such an outstanding recruiter at every stop. Maybe he's better with college kids and thought he had to be harder on NFL players. I don't know the thought process. He's a bad NFL coach. Just is what it mm-hmm. is. But he's been so successful in college. Now, could the recruiting war go that way? Sure. But the other plus for me is I believe he's on the NIL board at Ohio State, which kind of tells me you're willing to embrace it. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to come to another program like a Michigan State and just go, we're going to throw our weight around. Here's $6 million. Go buy a quarterback. That, that's modern college football. Yeah. I don't really need you to be a heavyweight in the living room. You can't be recruiting in the 60s like Mel Tucker was, but clearly he was busy doing other things. But here's the thing. Whatever Michigan State can offer up, a lot of other schools can offer the same package. And guess what? You're not going to play for Urban Meyer. You know what they can't offer? What and again, they? if Florida opens up, if A&M opens up, I get it. I'm not in the race. If those, if the, one of those two schools want Urban, they'll get Urban. The one thing that nobody else can offer is a guarantee you're playing Michigan every year. And why, he, what? he hates Michigan. But why, why is that the appeal? Because he hates them. He still won't say the name. Oh, you're saying Urban. Yeah. Why he would take it. Urban, the appeal of playing Michigan every year. Okay. That's the one thing Michigan State can offer that no other school he'd be interested in can. And again, if A&M or Florida open, I have no illusions. He'll be at one of those schools if he's going to take another gig. But right now, there won't be a better job than Michigan State open at the end of this season. All right. When we come back, the NCAA reversed a big decision, and it's going to impact a game today. We'll tell you about that coming up next. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Now back to the show. Chicago's College Tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. today's show. Chicago's College Tailgate presented by Twin Peaks. So a little bullet point here of college football today. We are going to see the return of Tez Walker into college football here after he was ruled ineligible by the NCAA to start the season. He did not participate in the pandemic season three years ago. Saw a little time in 2021, had a fantastic 2022, which featured 11 touchdowns, the receiver for North Carolina. And now Drake May gets one of his top weapons back after the NCAA has supposedly found new information that the school previously failed to provide. And he's now eligible to play here in 2023. They turned over a rock. The NCAA turned over a rock and on the bottom in marker, it said, you guys are a-holes. That's what happened. Mac Brown was adamant against this. I mean, I I don't think I've seen a coach go to war for a player quite like Mac Brown has for Tez Walker. 
he it was like a seventeen paragraph statement that he issued. It was like when a, they rejected it. It was a spruced up notes app, essentially, is what we saw as the post. But uh, now he's eligible to play, and of course he's playing my team today. Uh, he's trotting in uh, available now to face Syracuse today. So. Listen, I, I think this is the right decision. It would always he, was. He, he never should have been ruled out from, from the get-go here. I don't get how you can all of a sudden find some new information here. That the school, You think the school isn't ramping things up to try to get all their ducks in a row when they right. present to the NCAA? No, no chance. And the transfer portal has become such a big piece of college sports. Like, it's ingrained in the DNA of college football now. The idea that some players will be ineligible, but others good to go. Like, there's no consistency in the rulings. I always thought, just make him eligible. Who cares? The only person that you hurt by making him ineligible is Tez Walker. Nobody, he's the only person that stands to benefit from being allowed to play. North Carolina, obviously, as well. But nobody benefits from just saying, you can't play. Just let him play. Who cares? Everybody's transferring. Yeah. I'm with you. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate, presented by Twin Peaks. Coming up next, two more hours of Shay and Tyler. We're in for Peggy and Dion. That's coming up next here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago.